Hello, this is Kinch Rendell with Your Business Podcast, and this one might also be Back to the Old Days, Your Freedom Podcast. Finding freedom in this case because Kate Haggerty has found that through her own business. So Kate Haggerty is a career, life purpose, and relationship intuitive coach. Kate, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kinch. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, let's let's tell everybody. So we met at Toastmasters, and right. you joined when? I start coming to the chapter in June, but I'm officially on schedule as becoming a member in October of 2013. Yeah, so so it's been several years now. And to get back into your history of how you ended up here, in 2013, what were you doing? And what did your career, I guess, leading up to 2013 and when you chose yourself to have your own business? What's your background? My background is 30 years of corporate experience in sales, marketing, and advertising. And in 2013, I was still in corporate America with a really focused view on I was going to become the vice president of marketing or the, you know, the chief marketing officer of a company. And I was making my way up that ladder when all of a sudden I hit a certain point where things that had been important to me just weren't anymore. I kind of just realized, you know what? I don't care. And I better figure out what I do care about and what I want to do because I'm way too young to retire. And this all came with a great amount of anxiety because I had always been so sure and had a plan and it was working the plan, et cetera, but I just didn't care. And so it sent me on a plight to figure out what is it that I'm really supposed to be doing with my life? What is my purpose? And in that process, I found out that my purpose is to help other people find theirs, but it was, it was not a comfortable journey. I mean, I stayed in that job long enough to get to the miserable level of, I literally was crying most days driving into the office. I would get to the parking garage and have a little pep talk with myself. You know, you can go up there. You can do this. And I would get to the 22nd floor of this building, put my hand on the doorknob, and literally say, please, God, help me get through this day. Help me last here long enough to save up enough to quit. I mean, it was horrible. And so, go ahead. No, I, I, that's why I think too many people get to that point where it's almost, and maybe you can explain some of this from your side, it's like we almost have to hit a really low or something has to trigger this or make or force us into it. Absolutely. Like what was the turning point? What was the turning point for you? What what really clicked off there? Well, I just became really unhappy, and I've been a person, my brand, the Kate Haggerty brand in corporate America was results. And suddenly I didn't care about the results in the area I was working, and I needed to figure out where am I passionate? What do I want to do? And I got really clear that I wanted to do something that gave back. I wanted to do something that made the world a better place. I wanted to feel like I'd made a contribution, and I needed it to mean more than just for my head, but also my heart. And the misery level is kind of what prodded me. I just couldn't live like that anymore. Some people will be in a career like I was. I was making six figures. I was doing well, but I was miserable. And there's a lot of people out there that are great at what they do. They've been doing it a long time, but they are unhappy. They're going through the motions every day. And when they let it go long enough, often what happens is they'll start to have some illness that kicks in. Our, our, I just, I believe in like guides in the universe and they won't allow us to play small anymore. So speed bumps in our life start to happen. Things get inconvenient. We have these issues with our health. We become unhappy. Depression kicks in. We start having issues with weight. I mean, all these different things will begin to happen, and people aren't always aware that they are directly related 
to it's time to look at what are you really here to do and make moves in that direction. Yeah, one way, as you say that, I think that literally so many people aren't either fulfilling their purpose, living their dream, or doing anything they want to do. And literally a side effects so often, at least in my mind, seems like you can get sick. You might get cancer or something else. Just as you're saying, your body doesn't align with that. You know you're not happy and you're not healthy when you're not happy, basically. So intuitive is in your in, – can you explain like intuitive? Because we said intuitive coach. So growing up, I had an intuitive gift, but I really ignored it. I was really focused on corporate, the corporate ladder, and I just didn't want to deal with that intuitive part of me because, I, frankly, I didn't want to be weird. So I ignored it. I put it off to the side. I went through uh, life, like I said, ignoring it. But when I got to that place in my career where I was really unhappy, I actually had a friend refer a book to me, and I read it and realized, wow, I really want to go see this author who talks about kind of she's able to see what you're supposed to be doing here, your dream job. And so I went and got on her website to make an appointment, and the waiting list was a year long. And I thought, my goodness, you know, actually I said, you know, F word, I need help much sooner than that. And there was an opportunity to kind of share her on the call, and everybody got the same amount of time. So what came out of that was what I'd been hearing a lot of my life. You're very intuitive. You've come here to teach and speak and guide others. She called me, frankly, the shaman on the hill. And I said, so what do I do with this? And she said, you know, kind of encouraged me to start looking more into my intuition instead of ignoring it. So I did. I took a certification course where we were paired up with people that already were coaches, and we had to do readings for them. And I was like, my God, what if nothing comes? What if it's wrong? And just freaked out and then thought, okay, just do what they've taught you to do. And I had a great experience where, you know, one person said, you are incredibly gifted and you need to keep going. And another person cried and said, you know, the movie Avatar. And I said, yeah. And she said, you know, the line in it where the uh, character says to the other, you see me. You really see me. And I said, yeah. And she said, I feel like that today. You've told me things that no one ever has. And, in fact, no one else knows. Well, at this point, I'm getting very specific, detailed information, but I don't know where it's coming from. And so, frankly, I was freaked out. And the way it would come to me is I would basically ask about that person, what is this soul here to accomplish? How can I help them reach their greatest potential? What is it that he or she most needs to know now to move forward with their life? What specific next steps do they need to be taking to align their life with what they really came here to do? And I'd be asking those questions sitting at my dining room table with a stack of eight and a half by 11 white paper in front of me. And I would sit there and we were kind of encouraged to meditate for 20 minutes. Well, I get like 20 seconds. And <laughs> when I ask those questions, I'll start to see images like they're from a movie. But Kent, if you're my client, I'm basically the channel for your guides and angels to get through what they've been trying to just using me. So when I see yeah. those images, they're basically pieces of your life that they want me to see, know about, and sometimes ask you. And then the next thing that happens is I start hearing, like someone's talking in my ear, and they'll, it'll be your guide saying, Kinch needs to do this, 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 and this. <laughs> and they'll be very bossy, very direct. They have wonderful sense of the humor. And there's typically like five to nine specific next steps they're going to want you to take that aren't things you could just do tomorrow. It could be a book that they want you to read, a workshop they want you to take, 
to start meditating every day. I mean, it varies by the person. But what I found over time is that working with people just once didn't really get anybody anywhere. So I work with my clients for three months or six. What we do is we take that information that's come through, those steps, we put them in order of how I suggest that they, you know, focus on them, and I support them while they do that. Because like I said, again, it's not just something you do tomorrow. So yeah. it's pretty, um, it's cool, fascinating, rewarding work for sure. So, so let's step back to, you said you always thought you were intuitive but didn't want to be weird. Can you <laughs> tell people that might be experiencing that, if they're no matter what their age is, what was that like for you? What are some things that maybe stood out to you that you remember that seemed you were intuitive but it seemed like something you didn't want to share? Yeah, so I was told a lot that I was intuitive. I would get a feeling that something was going to happen. And I would just ignore it. And when I, I, part of my career is that I moved from Dayton, Ohio to New York City. So that was a biggie of being encouraged to start paying attention to your gut feeling, that intuition. When you'd be walking around the city or you'd be in a part of the city you didn't know, I would get strong feelings to go left or to go a certain way that I didn't pay attention to initially. I ignored them. And on one of those occasions, I ended up in a really bad neighborhood. So I sort of learned over time, hey, it's probably smart to start paying attention to these nudges, to these little ideas that you get. And I just started to um, pay more attention to it. But I still didn't talk about it to anyone. Um, what came after I went to that certification course and sort of opened up, like, all right, I'm ready, is that people would be talking about someone or something. someone. I didn't ever meet or something I didn't know anything about. Like this gal in the office was talking about this lady and said, well, she's a pistol, isn't she? And she's just a tiny thing, right? Like about five two. And she looks up at me, bug eyes, like, how do you know that? I was like, oops. <laughs> so it would sort of just fly out initially. And now I kind of am better about catching myself or just saying, hey, would you like to um, hear what I'm getting? Or, you know, when people know you better. So, um, yeah. yeah, once you're open to it, because everyone it has the capacity to be intuitive. It's just whether they decide they want to be open to it and encourage it to um, be stronger. Okay. And that's so many things that I'm thinking about right there. One is I always tell people you need to be looking for opportunities. I feel like some people can look for the positive or the negative, And then the coincidence is people say, oh, it's just a coincidence. Well, I think several things in my life are not a coincidence. It's just too odd or a certain feeling, like you're saying, have come out. Now, did it save me or not? Not necessarily. Did it protect me? Maybe. But literally, I feel like, as you're saying, if you're more open to it, you'll get more of it. Absolutely. And I know, I, I'm not sure if this ties into some of Wayne Dyer's teachings. I know that you and I both got to see him live here maybe two years ago? I think One so, yeah. Ago. Yeah, so literally some of the stuff maybe that I read from him is, Literally, you have to be open to this. I think he said so many times that what he was writing wasn't even him. He was just putting right. a pen on the paper. And it was coming right. through. Channeling so, or auto writing. Yeah. So so what do you think, like, when I phrase it as, like, coincidences for people, if they have never considered this or thought about something like this, or gut feelings, is that some other way that some people might be kind of shrugging this off or not paying attention? Absolutely, because our left brain and right brain kind of go to, to battle with each other. Our left brain is responsible for our linear thinking and the, the mental chatter that we often hear, which sometimes people will call monkey mind. Um, it's the practical, realistic mind. 
And then our right brain is going to be the one that's more open to that. So what happens is our left brain tries to tell us, oh, that's nothing. You know, that's just silliness. And so it's meditating. One of the reasons that that's encouraged so strongly is that that's a way to turn off that side of the, the brain, the chatter, so that you can get in touch with the more spiritual part and actually more in touch with your heart. Because the answers that we're looking for, intuition comes from our heart and our gut, not our head. Um, so I would just encourage people, and I've, I've done um, some classes on this, and I've, I've written a, an article about eight ways to increase your intuition. There are lots of ways, but in this article I've chosen kind of my, my favorite eight. And the first one is to start meditating. And the second one is to start working with what's called an angel card deck. And these are ways to start saying, hey, if I put aside my human chatter brain, what would come through? What kind of messages might come through? What kind of spiritual guidance would I get? And to start seeing what comes and trusting it. So maybe one time you go for it and go with what comes through and another you ignore it and then compare how those experiences are. When you step out of the house in the morning, pay attention to what's going on with all five of your senses. Sometimes there are really interesting things happening. It could be a bumper sticker on the car in front of you that's got an uncanny message, a song you hear over and over again, animals or things that happen when you're out just in nature that are different ways to get your attention. And when we start noticing those things, it's like, huh. So things like that to start you to, to just pay more attention, follow those intuition hunches that you get, and start trying to feel more than you think. That will be that will help to make a shift. All of us guys out there like feel. What 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 are you talking about? The feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I, one weird example that it's not quite in this realm, but literally once you come back to you will see what you're looking to see. So if you see something in the morning like a bumper sticker and you think about that, I think you're then aware. Okay, I did see that, or I saw a sign, or I found something positive to focus on. I found when I used to sit in a cubicle many many years ago that I was getting very good at noticing by looking down at the clock when it was 11-11. And to this wow. day, like my racing number often is 11. I can drive down the freeway across this country, and I always see either one eleven or 11 or two eleven. And I started realizing, I think it was from the movie What in a Bleep Do We Know, that mm. once again, what you look for, you can find. And it's so crazy about something silly for me to realize, just seeing something simple like a number over and over again, when there's so many possible numbers out there, I'm like, wow, if I can just look for the other things and focus in on something important, or like you're saying, take in clues as they come. As you say this, I must – a totally random story. I'm looking outside, and we have lots of rabbits. Like I think I'm – a gardener. I At least usually. <laughs> but today, I've never seen this happen. These little brown rabbits, cottontails, bunny tails, whatever. There's guys over here trying to fix our water well, and the rabbit's just sitting there in the sun. And the guy like walks over to it and touches it. It doesn't even move. Wow. So I, it's just weird things. Like you said nature and such. I'm like, oh, yeah, nature. And one thing I'd like to note to everybody is there's so many distractions now with mobile phones and everything. One suggestion I've heard over and over is when you take a walk or something, sometimes make sure there's nothing on so you can notice these things. It seems like there's so exactly. many distractions now. What are your thoughts on with all the distractions? How do we overcome? Is that where the meditation and such comes in? Exactly. That is a great idea to just turn everything off. Um, there's things called walking meditation where people just go out and they're walking in in the quiet. They're not. It's not as easy for them to sit still. But 
I think that's true. When we have so much coming at us, we are turning off our awareness. So if we just shut off the things that distract us, we're that much more able to be reached. We're that much more able to notice. But I do want to come back to the number sequences because those are significant. That is one of the ways our guides will get our attention because our brain cannot jump in and say that you did not see those numbers. You did. And so when you see the same number sequence over and again, I would suggest Googling, you know, symbolism of 333 or 222 because for a while I was actually seeing the same over and over again. I think it was 333 and 555, and it was uncanny. Like, it was happening. When something happens once, it's like, huh, interesting. Second time, okay. Third time, just pay attention. And when they're trying to get your attention, you'll just start having those same thoughts over and over again, but they'll start to get closer together, and they might get bigger. So when I went and looked at the symbolism of 333 and 555, they were incredibly pertinent to things that were going on in my life. And another one I'll tell you about animals is that I've lived where I live like six years. I park pretty much in the same parking spot every day. One day, and this has only happened once, never happened since, never happened before, I come home this summer, I go to turn into my spot, and I'm not kidding you, there are like 12 geese just sitting there having a sun bath in the (laughs) spot. And I was like, what is that? So I went in. What's the symbolism of geese? It had something to do with spirituality. Again, it made all the sense in the world. So those kinds of things, you know, if you think it's silly, you don't have to tell anybody if you're afraid they're going to laugh at you, but just go ahead. Go and Google it. See what comes up. You'll be surprised how accurate it is. That, and that makes it so easy these days to go online to find these answers without, like, having to call somebody and say, hey, what about this? Totally. Not everybody, yeah. every, not, not everyone knows someone like you, so they can't easily connect, I wouldn't say, in this day and age to somebody alive and there on the phone, let's say, but the Internet makes it easy. Something Absolutely. also you mentioned are all these questions you might ask, and I'd read in books, and I would say if somebody doesn't talk to you or talk to somebody, those are great questions to ask, what's my purpose, what can I do today? I think of those things at night either when I'm going to bed or in the morning to ask, what's my purpose today? How can I fulfill my purpose today? What can I do? And I think that just sets up at the very smallest level to look for those opportunities. I love those suggestions. Um, In the morning is the best time to meditate, I think. I get up every morning, and before I put on my glasses or are distracted with anything, I'll go out to the microwave and put in 20 minutes. And then I'll go and sit down, and sometimes it's silent, sometimes there's music. But at the beginning, when I was trying to figure this out, I would literally say, please show me the next steps on my path. Please help me to see what my true purpose is. And at night, we are way more receptive And so you can say at night, please help me to see what it is I need to see to do next and and allow me to remember when I wake up. Please show me my next specific steps. And and I keep a legal pad next to my bed because I will sometimes wake up and have some uh, thought or what feels like a message to me. I'll just scribble it across the page. And in the morning, you know, you'll be surprised sometimes what's there. So those are two excellent ways that I love. You've sort of found your way to them on your own. Well, no, I give credit to all these books I've been reading. <laughs> I think one's called The Miracle Morning. He includes writing, working out, meditating, although my meditating, I found out if I count for the in and out breath and I continually count, it's much easier. I used to meditate a little bit, but I, yeah, my brain takes off with all these, oh, look at this idea, look at that one. <laughs> that It's challenging. If I don't count, it's very challenging to stay there, although something I've read recently said, 
focus on one thought and see where that leads you just with the one thought. Try to stay back on it. So I'm not sure if you have any thoughts on that, but that's the first time I've ever read, like, it's okay to have a thought and kind of just meditate on that thought. I was like, oh, that maybe I could do. Yeah, a couple things. We're so hard on ourselves about expecting to be good at meditation when we first try it. You know, you said you're 41, I'm 51. We've got that many years of our busy brain going a certain way. And when we sit down and expect it all of a sudden in a day or two days or a week to change, it's a process, and we've got to be really nice with ourselves. Some people need guided meditation where you're going to be kind of guided through step-by-step what to do. Other people need silence. Some people like music. It's, it's a matter of finding what works for you and then just be nice to yourself. It is normal to have that chatter, to have the brain go through quickly the laundry list of everything that needs to be done. I mean, I struggle with it, and sometimes we'll just keep a small notebook next to me so that if that one thought is going over and over again, I just jot it down in the notebook and slide it to the side. It's like, okay, that's gone now. You know, you're, I'm back to just being here. And so it's okay. just, it's a process. Yeah, two good things there. One, I probably like that. Oh, I had a good thought. I better, oh, if I don't think about that, I write it down. I'm going to forget it. And the other mm-hmm. is to truly practice different types. Like you keep saying music. Somewhere I have some CDs or at least one. That was more of a guided. One was just music, and one, I think, talked you through it. So that's a good point. I, I myself should try the different different techniques and just see, hey, does one resonate better? And like you're saying, it's all practice. As I'm raising a five- and seven-year-old boys, I'm like, oh, that kid's better because he practices more. Mm-hmm. Same thing for us. I need to apply it back to me. I need to be a kid realizing, yes, it takes practice, which I haven't given up on meditation. It's just like, wow, can I make it two minutes or ten minutes? Usually I fall back and to sleep, but I, at least open, I'm trying. You know? Ideally, 20 minutes a day is great, but if you just start out at two and make your way to five, I mean, I have a friend who's like, 11 works well for me, 11 minutes, I'm like, oh, you go. I mean, I was just at a workshop this morning, and the gal that gave it suggested Brian Weiss's CD. It's a guided one called Meditations, and I jotted that down. I thought, yep, I'll try that, because I'm always experimenting, too. If there's a a new uh, way that I haven't tried, or if there's a way that's more effective, then Give it a whirl. You know, it's just, you can't do it wrong is the thing. What you're trying to do is sit still, and I'll tell my clients, act like you're, you've gone to the front door. You've opened the door and you've invited your guides and angels in. You've sat down on the sofa and you're politely asking, what is it that you'd like me to know? What is it they'd like to share with you? And you're going to be a good guest. You're going to listen. So just, just, you know, kind of look at it that way. What is it that you need to hear or know today? Yeah, it makes me think you're trying to quiet the active brain right? that otherwise just guides us. So mentioning all this night, nighttime and morning makes me think about dreams. Does it, do dreams tie into any of this ever? I think they do. I think they do. They're, when we uh, are not ready for something, we will. the dream will disguise it. And the more it's disguised and, and hard to even understand, we're not ready for what it is that's trying to come through. And as you are ready, you'll start to remember more. And so the other thing, too, is that if you and I both have dreams about polar bears, it doesn't mean the same thing for each of us. So it's kind of how are you feeling in the dream? Were you, you know, excited and feeling like adventuresome and strong? Or are you feeling like you're suffocating under the water? It's like, and that you're too big and you can't get out from under the ice. So it's like, what were you feeling? What was going on? And that's, again, why I keep that legal pad next to my bed, because sometimes my guides wake me up in the middle of the night, and I'll be like, really? I'm like, yep, this is the only way we can get out in front of your busy brain, so I'll get up. And it's often when I'm trying to write a, a paper or speech, 
that I'll, we'll just spend a little time, I'll jot down everything that I get, or it's a dream and um, it'll be part of like a past life that's being revealed or a lesson that you're here to focus on and you get little bits and pieces and as you're more ready, you'll get more. And you'll think you're going to remember in the morning because it might seem something very stupid. You won't. Write it down. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, I think that I think they are very significant. That's and that's interesting. I'm thinking about the Wayne Dyer again. I would have never even considered like actually staying up at night to think about what I what woke me up. Except that Wayne Dyer, I think he said so often. I may say three or four o'clock in the morning. Hey, when you wake up, then get something done. Then or, or write down what's going on. He seemed yeah. to note something like that over and over again. I'm like, really? I usually try to go back to sleep as quickly as possible. Well, I could go off on a, a tangent for you, but if you wake up the same time every night, uh, there's a, a school of thought that that's tied to a specific organ and also a thought process. So let's see if I can grab this because this is something that will come up too. Uh, oh, yeah, here it is. So I used to wake up, you know, I think it was – uh, between one and three. So it might have been, you know, every night you're waking up at 2.30, 2.30, 2.30, what's going okay. on? So I look at this chart. It says between one and 3 a.m., if you're waking up every night at that time, the related organ is the liver, and the related emotion is transformation and change versus status quo. quo. So if you're going through a big change and you're waking up at 2.30, it's like there it is. Your body is trying to, like, work it out, and it's uh, not your imagination. So that that type of angle can also be helpful to look at. Yeah, something else to if anybody waking up at the same time very often to at least look into it. Maybe it's another clue, as you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying trying to think of the tangent there. It's like, yeah, waking up at the same time, waking up and letting letting things flow. I had another thought there. I was like, oh, I know for my wife anyway. What'd you dream about? And then she's always like worried about what I dreamed. I'm like, wait, don't interpret my dream against <laughs> you or something. I'm like, right. I'm glad you said each dream for each person can be totally different. It's the you have to take it in context. Yeah, yeah, it's for you working stuff out. I, I actually did an independent study in college on dreams because I've been fascinated by them, and it was to go and look at a couple different people's theories and then come up with my own. And one of them that I thought was pretty fascinating. You know, they talked about the thoughts of the day go through sort of a mental file system. And then there's also, you know, there's what you've had happen to you and how that prepares you for the future. So I kind of felt that the dreams take in what's happened to you today, uh, sort of gel them what's already happened, and those things prepare you to move forward. And as you're doing that, it's sort of like you're going up a spiral of a mountain. And so when it feels like you've revisited things, you kind of have, but you're still moving up. You're taking what you know and what's familiar to go forward. And so they're, I just I do think they're significant uh, in several ways. So does any of this relate from what you just said about if you have the same dream over and over again? Uh, well, that means, you know, there is a message it can mean different things. That's why I'm kind of stalling here. Okay, okay. Here, let, let me let me throw out two different things here, and either one, if they make any sense to you at all, let me know. <laughs> so, okay. as, as a kid, I'd often dream that I could fly, and every once yeah. in a while, I still do that—not as much, but I'd fly where I lived for quite a while. And more so in the last several years, if I'm dreaming that I can like play basketball and jump, like I'm on the moon or something, right? It's almost to me these things seem to be happening whenever things are going really well in life. I was just going to say, so how are you feeling in the dream and what's happening in your life and you've already gone there? Yeah, it's it's, a, it's an amazing feeling. It's a great thing. And then I'm another tangent. Let's go on this. 
Way back when, when I was a kid, teenager, I could control my dreams. Up until the point my aunt told me that was really special and that people have to go get trained to do that. I still do a little bit, but literally, as maybe a teenager even, I could totally do whatever I wanted in my dreams, which I always thought was neat until she kind of made it seem too special, and I said, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> so I just wonder about it some of those dreams that, yeah, that you have over and over again. And I just I usually remember the positive ones of, oh, wow, I can jump through the roof. I can almost – it's like basically flying again. It's yeah. just always something I relate back to. I, I obviously like those dreams, especially when I remember that I, oh, yeah, I was well, could do anything I wanted. If you were able to do that then, you still can. You still can. Yeah. I'd probably have to take the classes now to figure out what the heck I was doing before my, my <laughs> mental brain got in the way of things again. Right. Right. So one thing I wanted to cover is what would you tell people that want to step out? They can use you for the help to step out of their career or start something on the side but take us through that journey. What was good? What was bad? What was scary? Yeah. When you finally say, hey, I, I am going to make this change, what suggestions mm-hmm. do you have? And, yeah, what were the, the challenges? Well, I got very unhappy in 2011, and I kind of didn't know what to do. So I started the search, and for the, each of the following few years, I tried a different type of coach certification to look into what area was I interested in to develop my intuitive gifts. I went to lots of different workshops. Some were just on relationships, communication, to figure out, you know, my whole self and so that I would also be able to help my clients. But it was terrifying to feel like you've been in this um, reliable company or corporate world with the benefits and, oh, my God, if I, if I leave that, what will happen? Well, I'll tell you, one of the things that uh, a gal I study with, Sue, would say to us is, do you want your health or do you want your benefits? And it's wait, true. Wait, wait, people, say that again. Did, did you just do you say want your name? health or do you want your benefits? Oh, but did you say somebody's name? Did you say Sue? Sue, yeah, who I, I did okay. some work with. So, uh, okay. sorry, sorry. sorry. Yeah, no, and it, it, so it took, it took realistically some years to kind of figure it out. I will never tell someone who's miserable, all right, go in and quit tomorrow. Like, no, no, let's take a look at, first of all, what your gifts and talents are. So I'll ask someone for their birth date, and that's so I can look at something called a birth path number. That's going to tell a lot about the gifts and talents that someone brought to share with the world. And we brought them to share with the world by fulfilling our purpose. But we don't always remember or we'll think that something is so easy it's no big deal. But it is a big deal. So it's a matter of tapping into what do your guides and angels bring through for you as next steps? What do I see are your gifts and talents? And there's another way of beyond that, tapping into things that you have experienced, survived, or overcome. These are not usually things that we're like, wee, that was fun. But they are a gift that we know, unlike anyone else, what someone else in that position most needs to have said or done for them to actually feel better. I mean, you can be an empathic person, but if you have not lived through the system of being adopted and foster homes and all that, and you meet someone who has, you're not totally going to get it like someone else who has really gone through that and come to the other side. So sometimes what we're here to do is bring people through that as well. So it's a matter of taking a look at what it is that you are talented in. What are you passionate about? If money weren't an issue, who would you choose to help? What would be, you know, joyful work to you? And then starting to put together 
a specific detailed plan that you can follow step by step so that you're making a change gradually and that the company that you're working for is helping you by paying for you to go. They're paying exactly. for your training. They're paying for your ahas. They're paying for you to go. And for me, that was what got me through. I mean, every two weeks is a paycheck and I say, yeah, they're paying for me to go. They're paying for this next workshop. And so, but the thing that what I want to emphasize is even though it's scary, it is worth it in the end because you wake up every day and you're excited. You're excited about what you do. You know that you're giving back and you know that you're just, you're, you're doing what you're supposed to do. It's a great feeling. And it, it will be scary. Just because we're doing the right thing doesn't mean there won't be any fear because it's still going to be something new. But it's just coming back to when you are doing what you've come here to do, people show up, resources show up, opportunities show up. You'll sort of be guided along the way like, yep, keep going, keep going. And that's where paying attention to the signs and making that part of your process becomes so important because down the road when you're using that more, you're like, wait, that is a sign. I've seen that two or three times. And it can be as simple as you walk by someone's conversation and it's something you've been thinking about and you hear, no, they I, they should just keep going. They're totally doing what they're here to do. And you're like, oh, my God, that was for me. And then some people think that's nutty. But when it happens a couple times in a row and they get closer and closer together, just go for it and believe it. And so – yeah, for me, it was scary. It was really scary. And I had planned, okay, I think the longest I can handle being here is till December of 2014. I don't think I can go one minute past that. And, and it was horrible. But in August of 2014, this company, which had wobbled since I'd been there, decided to do layoffs. And uh, there are four specific ages where that discomfort level that we feel gets strong. One of them is like 27, 28, 29. The next is between 40 and 43. There's one at 50, and there's closer to 60. So if you're between that 40 and 43 or around 50 and you're feeling that restlessness, that anxiety, something's off, I know I'm supposed to be doing something bigger, better, more, but I don't know how to figure it out, it's not your imagination. So for me, I turned 50 on August 28th. The next day, I went in. They did the layoffs, and I was one of them. And what happens at those times, they call them the flame of your butt, is that you are prodded to get out and do what you've come here to do. You're not allowed to play small. You're not allowed to just, you know, stay not doing what you're here to do. And so your life gets increasingly uncomfortable. And for me, it was like, well, that's it. That's enough of you trying to play both sides. You need to get out there and walk the walk, talk the talk. There you go. And I was scared because it was earlier than I expected. but. It's all worked out. There's been sc- there's been scary times. There's been tears, but I still would not trade it. I'm really glad that I am where I am now. And several things there. For one, I think your attitude about work even changed once you knew you weren't going to be dependent on work at some point. You already set a date. You were taking action on the side for yourself. Right. So was work at, at all better once you, you were thankful, <laughs> saying, hey, I'm glad I got a check. They're helping me do this. It. It was still really difficult. I sometimes was frustrated, like, why am I here? Why am I here one more minute? And at that time, the CEO came to me and wanted to make me the chief marketing officer. So there's that that role, that title I've wanted supposedly my whole career. And I was like, no, because I thought, I can't give this place anymore. I need to start using whatever extra time I have to get out of here. You and chose so, yourself. Well, yeah. 
so I uh, allowed myself basically to slide down the ranks of seniority and to kind of deal with his challenges, like, are you loyal? Are you here? And it's like, yeah, I'm here. But I just really need work-life balance. And, you know, for me, it was like I needed to have time to go and start uh, working with clients, build a website, get business cards, go network, attend these workshops and conferences. And so I was lucky that they didn't, you know, boot me during that time. But what I do now with people is it's like I have a client now, and he's excellent at what he does. But his job had him traveling constantly, and he's like, how am I ever going to pursue my passion, which is a woodworking business, if he's always on the road? He got an opportunity to go to another company doing similar work, making more, but not having to travel as much. So it's like, okay, what are we going to do with that extra time? And now he's working on projects. He's tapping into the industry. He's getting himself ready so that when he leaves, that business is waiting, the people are waiting doesn't mean it's all set and perfect. That's not going to be that way, but you've got a start. And so that is the way to do it. Yeah, little exactly. Bit by little bit. I tell everybody, some of my friends like, oh, you're lucky. You have your own business. I'm like, I don't consider it so much luck as it was something we started as a side business. And for five or six years, it just reinvested the money back into itself. Now, I wish I would have done it quicker and sooner. I wish I would have cut ties sooner, like literally – Thinking back when you said making six figures, I remember my partner going, you should quit and do this full time. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm making good money. I'd probably just gotten a raise. Right. And then yet, once I looked back, once I finally did quit and I made even less money for quite a while, I was like, I should have done this so, so much, much earlier. Yeah, you you couldn't pay me to get back into a cubicle. I, I Two million bucks a year, I'd probably be there for a month and go, oh, I got a hundred grand. Great. See you right. later. Yeah. So something else you really keyed on that I've read quite a bit about recently and really have clued in, also a group of Toastmasters has been talking about we need to get more of these stories out from our experiences. Whether you grew up in an orphanage or something else, I realize quite a few people that are quite successful now and might have been quite successful in, in a normal business previously, they didn't find their life purpose until they started sharing their true journey. Like, And usually it's something bad that's happened to them. And it seems more and more interesting to me that that's what people need to hear. That's the real you. And like you said, that's what they can share, and that's how other people can really relate to them and how you can help somebody else through something. I love that you say that because it can be so scary, too, to reveal your true self, first of all, to yourself and then to others. You know, I I had to get over just being able to say the I word, you know, intuitive coach. And sometimes when we step into who we really are and start to share that with others, There are people in our lives that don't like that. They're invested in you staying exactly the way you are and never changing. And by the way, that's monkey mind's job, the chatter in your ear. Chinch, who do you think you are? This will never work. Nobody's going to want that. That's That's his job, too, to make sure nothing changes. So you may have people in your life that you basically have to let go of. And that can be very scary because we think we're going to end up alone. But I will tell you, by letting those people go, New ones step in that are amazing. You may not have known them that long, but you'll feel like you've known them longer and that they're better to you and closer friends than those others you've known 10, 20 years. And I have a friend, we were friends for 25 years. And just last year, she was like, I don't look at the world the way you do. I don't believe what you believe. And I don't think we have that much in common anymore. And I was shocked and stunned and hurt and disappointed 25 years. But... If, if she can't be where I am and I can't be myself with her, all right. 
So yeah. just let it go. And I have new people in my life that I've not known as long, but they are so supportive and encouraging. And it's just, you will, those people are, are in your, what I call your soul group. They've come here to help you with what you've come here to do. And some of them can only go so far with you. And you let them go just like you let go of the baton and the next person steps in that's ready to go with you the rest of the way or part of the next way. But yep. there, it's, it's all, uh, okay. And, and if, and you should just go for it. You'll love the new people that come in. And that's where I'm coming back to Wayne Dyer again. For some reason, I just jotted down. Wayne. He's got a lot of wise things to say, though. Yeah, and that's where literally he was saying, why do people think every single relationship is supposed to last forever? <laughs> I remember him saying that at some point, and, and that's true. People will come and come out, and you said a soul group. I was thinking yeah. you start building your own tribe of people that are interested in what you're interested in and that, like you said, are supportive. I think so many of us don't realize, but we have people that probably bring us down and want us hold us to what they know about us. Whether yeah. it's because we go out and party with them or something else, as soon as we start changing and saying, no, that's not for me anymore, they think you're depressed or something's wrong with you because you're rejecting how they know you and what's accepted in your relationship. Well, they've invested yet, in you being a certain way, Kent, and they, they have certain things that you – needs that maybe you fulfill or an attitude they've expected from you. And when they're not getting what they want anymore, they get threatened, so they're going to attack it. Yep. But, you know, yeah, you, it's – it's just letting go of those people. And like I said, it can be really scary. And sometimes they're family members. And people will look at me and they'll say, how do you do that? And it's like you just become a little less available. You're just not as available. And you tell the truth without being mean. You know, um, I've just – I've got a full-time job. And wait, I started wait, wait. a business. And I just – Did you say I, you, you, you tell the truth about being mean or being me? You tell the truth without being mean. So oh, okay, I had okay. realized about a few people that it was always about them. It was they were incredibly selfish. I just hadn't noticed it. I was always feeding into helping them, helping them, doing whatever. It was always about them. And when I started to realize, wow, I don't really want that in my life anymore, I just became a little less available. And you hope that they don't notice, but sometimes they do. And I was challenged on more than one occasion. You know, have I done something to offend you? Uh, are you mad at me? That kind of thing. And, and I would just tell the truth as much as I could without saying, you know, I realized it was always about you saying, you know, I just got over a breakup. I'm working this full time job. I'm trying to start a new company. And I just feel like I'm overexposed. I just don't have as much free time as I did. So they're like, OK. And you just that kind of thing versus I realized it was always you and I don't want to hang with you anymore. You know, that kind of yeah. thing. That's the difference. This makes me think of the saying I've heard quite a bit recently is you're usually the average of the five people you spend the most time with, whether that's income, goals, what you're going to achieve in the future, what you do, what you're interested in. So that's another reason, once again, if you look at the five people you spend the most time with, and I'd say maybe outside of your immediate family for me being kids, <laughs> look at that and maybe do a little quick calculation. Is my salary like that? Is that what I want my salary to be? Do I want to step up? Do I want to have challengers, people that will support and challenge me? So at times, I, I really do think people should really look around and say, hey, am I hanging out with the people I want to be like? Yeah, and I look at, am I, you know, I want to be people that I can learn from, laugh with, share, but it's kind of a mutual thing. And I don't look at it as, as much as you're saying about like salary and all that, but it's, you know, is this a give take? Are we supportive of each other? Do we... Uh, learn and laugh together, experience things together, then that's worth, that's a great relationship, you know, to have. So, 
And if it's not, if you're around people that are toxic or they bring you down, I mean, I have some close family members and it's like that. I just kind of made distance. You know, just because yep. they're family doesn't mean you got to be, you know, around them all the time, at least once they're out of the house. So, yeah, I literally even think if you're not positive for them and they're not positive for you, and that's something I've gone through more recently after my dad passed away. I mean, that's enough stress right there. But it's like, man, if things just aren't positive, try to do as much as you can. But I've come to realize, hey, if you're not positive, you don't help each other, then there's no sense in doing too much for each other or being around each other. But one person might think that they, they don't realize that they're not positive. <laughs> oh, true. <laughs> no, believe They're great, yeah. and you're like, get me away. And, and so that's when it's a little more challenging, but it's still worth getting away. You just have to. you got to protect your energy. Yeah. So this makes you think of I a lot of things I've been hearing once again reading. So you should have an accountability partner and you should be networking with or associating with people above you. And I'm thinking of that in a role of so you could be a coach for me. Do you also reach out to coaches above you? Is there still like ongoing training? What what's in your realm if you're a life coach, let's say? Absolutely. Well, every coach that I know that does well has a coach of their own. And even one of the women I know is a multimillionaire and you think she knows everything already. She is a coach. She has an accountability partner. So the coach can be specific to a certain area. It could be spiritual. It could be speaking. Uh, there can be different types. And then an accountability partner is typically someone who knows your business as well as you know yours, knows what's going on in it. And you talk once or twice a week and you share your goals. You encourage each other. You uh, know that you have each other to answer to, and you celebrate what you've accomplished. It's it's super, super helpful to keep you moving. So no one can do it on their own, and we can always get help. So I would say, you know, I have a coach now, and before that I was in a year-long mastermind program. I've got my eyeball on a speaking program in August. So just I like to learn. I like to keep expanding. But, yeah, I don't think you're ever done. There's always more you can learn from, and my bookkeeper might, you know, beg to differ with you, like, Enough with all the learning, <laughs> but, you know, but I really enjoy it. So, yeah, I think it's it's great to just always, you know, I have friends on purpose who are coaches uh, that have been in business, you know, three, five, seven years or even different types of businesses. And I'll say, you know, what's normal for this time? What do you do in this circumstance? It's so, so helpful. So I think it's very wise, very valuable and to definitely pursue it. So, with the mastermind program you were in, was that for coaches? Was that for intuitive coaches? Like how specific can you get in the path you're on? You can get specific, but that program was uh, tailored to solopreneurs, so entrepreneurs who wanted to get to six figures in a year. And there were all types of businesses and people who were in brand new, more established, had been around a while, but things weren't happening. I mean, they were just all over the board. So it's a matter of kind of figuring out what is it that I feel I need most? Where do I need help? Where do I want to get stronger? What scares me? Go after that. As long as you're scared and excited, you don't want to be scared and petrified. Scared and excited means you should probably go do it. And so for each person, it's asking yourself, what is it that I, I'd like to be better at or know more or that scares me? And, and go find that. So it can vary. It can totally vary. Yeah, that's you did it. Oh, go ahead. No, well, okay. Remember that thought. So one thing she pointed out that I think is so key. I realize I'm usually only successful in endeavors when I have a partner, and yet solopreneurs, being solo, they don't have a partner. So I think that's where having a mastermind groups 
and accountability partners are so key. Because yeah. by myself, I don't seem I can start a lot. I've got a whiteboard behind me, a four by eight, with all kinds of things I'm working on. But without an accountability partner or some partner, it's very hard for me to actually finish. And in the book I'm reading, Zero to One, by Peter Thiel, he literally says, you don't get much done by in a single person. But all these people that have made billions, and that's what he did, he said, you have to have a group. So I'm glad you pointed out that for a solopreneur, there literally are masterminds just to help you there. Yeah, that, I mean, I'm a solopreneur, but I've got my social media specialist. I've got my website person. I've got you know, uh, uh, marketing, I've, I've got an array of like people that are my team, extensions of me. So I never really think like I'm totally by myself. My bookkeeper's there. I got my CPA. I mean, you just, you're going to have to have a team that helps you in areas that you're not good at or hate. Once you are established enough when you can afford to delegate the things you hate and stay immersed in what you love, you'll also move forward quicker. So people might hate making appointments for themselves to or um, submitting an application to speak. And if they get someone that's making those calls for them and submitting those applications, hooray. But you got to, at the beginning, kind of do that yourself. And the other thing is getting really clear about what stage of business are you in and based on that, what are the things you need to focus on? Because we tend to have shiny object syndrome where we think we're <laughs> supposed to be doing everything all at once. And then we do nothing well. So there's part of that mastermind program was focusing on if you're at the middle, you know, the beginning stages, you're growing or you're a little more advanced, there are different things to focus on so that you're not focused on, on everything from the beginning. You just can't. You can't. And when you have that to keep coming back to and to keep using as a filter, boy, did that help me to move forward too, to stop spinning and just start getting some traction and, and moving forward. Yeah, that's, a, that's several great points there about what stage are you in. I never thought about that, but that makes total sense. At the beginning, maybe you have to do a little bit of everything. But what no. I find is – yeah, oh, yeah. I thought that you – Literally, if you try to do that, you think, i got to do a little bit of all of this, you may never get anything done because you're not doing what you like to do. And you're just doing uh, a little I, here and a little there. So, like, for example, I was very much in the beginning stages, so it was about speaking, networking, and getting referrals. And let the rest of it go. Don't worry about webcasts and teleseminars and social stuff. Stay focused on those three things. And then when you get to the next stage, then you move forward. Pardon me? Yeah, you, were, you, were, you were doing not bookkeeping – Necessarily, you're doing the things no one else could do for you. Right. You're focused on what's But then what's the bookkeeping, it's like, that's not my strength, and I, it takes me too long to do it. And so I found someone I trusted, and she handles that and is con continuously giving me more ways to get back my time so that I can direct it towards the things that I do enjoy and that do generate results. Yeah. And I, I can tell people from my background in software development, I've got so many software development thoughts, but yet yeah. I don't want to do that anymore. People uh -huh. pay me so to do consulting. I try not to. I've really <laughs> come to the point. I have a – talking about accountability partners and partners not really being partners. I hired a virtual assistant about a, year, about a month and a half ago. And in some weird way, it's almost like an accountability partner because I need to make sure I'm giving him things to do. Mm. And I've come to the point where I'm even thinking about hiring a full-time programmer because I don't want a program. And yet I have all these ideas that I think, hey, if I could spend 500 to to 1000 bucks to get them done for little websites and such, mm -hmm. I should probably do it. And we, I, what I found is after listening to people talk about the Philippines, you can hire people 
for what seems like next to nothing in America, but for them is a good good wage. So in the back of my mind for the last couple of weeks, I'm like, you know what? A full-time developer would be pretty nice. Because that well, way, when you have that shiny, shiny object syndrome, you can go, <laughs> yes, please make this website. Here's the requirements. Because I, I have that, and what I've realized for me, I'm very good at starting things. So when I when you talk about partners or having an accountability partner, I might need to match up with somebody that says, hey, yeah, you got to focus down, and here are the steps you got to take to get finished. Or you're the visionary and you need a doer. You know, yeah. people, there's a big picture and there's the ones who get it done, and that those partnerships are really fruitful. But there's a lot of great ideas. Just because there's a great idea doesn't mean it needs to be you that fulfills it. So it's more like if you're one of those people that has lots of great ideas and sees all these opportunities, fabulous, but what are the ones that really excite you? Yep. And focus on those and let the rest go. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's better probably, I don't know if I want to say that, but some people don't have a clue. They don't have any ideas. And then there's other people yep. too many. So I'd say just put it through that filter of your heart. What lights you up? What what are you passionate about? And if it's just a good idea but it doesn't you're not passionate about it, let it go. Yeah, let it go or one thing I've read quite a few books from James Altucher, listen to his podcast, he gives his ideas away. So he's not gonna act on his he his his one of his four things is write down at least ten ideas a day. And he says, I write them down and most of them are bad. And he goes, I don't look back at him unless something comes back up over and over again, like a coincidence, like, yeah. hey, wait, that that's still on my mind. And, oh, I could combine that idea with this idea. He just lets him go. But sometimes he'll come up with his ideas, some examples where he literally would come up with ideas and he would send them to Amazon. And Amazon liked him enough to fly him out there and discuss, hey, this is what we're doing. We like some of your ideas as well. Savvy. And he said for him, that led to, oh, different smaller companies he had ideas for might say, hey, you want to be on our board? So I, that if you are an idea person, I totally agree that I've talked to people that said, I don't have any ideas. This guy said, as an example, he goes, when I was a kid, Grandpa would walk us down the street and say, hey, that store is empty. What kind of store could we open there? And he literally goes, I never knew. I never had any ideas. Yet he was married to an idea lady. So I, I was just blown away. I was like, no, surely we can train you to have ideas. But some people <laughs> don't necessarily have ideas, and other people think everything is great, which at times I'm like, oh, that's another great idea. I need to get a patent for that also. And, yeah, I I, I love that you say a doer. I, I need to find a one doer. One of the most brilliant to... people I know is one of those big-picture visionary types. He doesn't like details. He doesn't like doing it. He's got the picture, and he's brilliant. And what he, the reason he's been so successful is he's found people and hired around him that love the detail, that make it happen, that bring him down to reality enough that he just needs to know that's not going to take two minutes, it's going to take two weeks, okay? Okay. I was that person for him. And we were a great partnership because I didn't see what he saw, but and he didn't want to deal with what I saw, but together we were able to make a lot of things happen. So speaking of making things happen, you did ask me, and I don't think I answered you earlier, what do people, how do they get a hold of me or what should they do yeah. if they want help from someone like me? Uh, one of the things I do offer is a free 30-minute, I call it a clarity session. And it's a phone call, and I'm really careful to say it is not a free psychic reading or session. It's a phone call for the person who is a doer, the one who's ready and says, I can't stand things the way they are one more minute. I am ready to make the investment from a time, financial, energy standpoint to do the work to change my life. I can't handle it like this anymore. Those are the people that get it done, that get the best results. And so those are the ones that I invite to schedule one of those clarity sessions with me. And during that call, I'm going to find out or ask, 
little bit more about what's going on in their life, and then I'm going to give them an overview of the coaching options that I have, and together on the call, we'll decide if we think there's a fit for us to work together. Um, but for the people who are like, oh, that sounds neat, no, don't do that. You know, don't call. Uh, it's really for are you ready. If that discomfort level has gotten so high that you're just miserable every day, then let's talk. And so there's, I've got my website, phone number, email. Um, I don't know if you want me to rattle that off or if that'll be available. Yeah, you can um, rattle it off. It will okay. also be in the show notes. But go ahead. I was going to really pull it up to say it as well. All right. So my email address is kate at soulpurpose.biz, B-I-Z. And soulpurpose is spelled S-O-U-L-P-U-R-P-O-S-E dot biz. My phone number is 303-562-8530. That's 303-562-8530. And my website is soulpurpose.biz. And you can go there and have an overview of, of my story, a little bit of an intro to my blogs and, and other pieces of information about me. But if you're really ready to make that change and have been asking yourself, what am I really supposed to be doing with my life? Why am I really here? And you're ready? Well, I really look forward to talking with you and to hopefully helping you uncover that beautiful thing that you've come here to share with the world. Yeah, and that's where I think so many people are realizing, why am I in this 9-to-5 job, 8-to-5, 8-to-7 job? This is not fulfilling. It's not helping anybody else necessarily except for me, myself, and my family. And I just want to spell first name is Kate, K-A-T-E, Haggerty, right. H-A-G-E-R-T-Y. And to wrap this up, could you tell us if you have any thoughts of conferences somebody would be interested in and being an intuitive coach, books, websites outside of your site, any other things you'd point people toward? Or maybe you have a list on your website for that. I don't and should. And let's see. Off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> and, and while you're thinking, if not, I think I should email them to you because I'm like dirt right now. Uh, no, I think even better. By the time we put this up, let's give it a day or two or three or four. Okay. You could have a, re- a resources tab. That's something I suggest for people because I find that, let's say if I'm talking about farming, permaculture, right. you're like, oh, that sounds really cool. How could I find out more about that? And finally, I just put a resources tab with links to videos, several different websites, books. That way, when I email them, I don't have to list them all out. I say, here's my website and here's the information. Bing, here you go. So it might just be something people would be interested in to look up and find out, oh, yeah, I- I've never looked into that. And since you've already experienced some different sites, let's say conferences, hearing from you knows, okay, this was a good one, this one, eh, not so much. So that right. would just be something I think people would find useful. And also, I don't know if you mentioned, if they I, actually I think you did, if they sign up on your website, if they drop your email address and you don't spam them for the newsletter, what do they get? What's the freemium right now? So what do you get when you sign up? When you come to my website, there will be a pop-up that will invite you to join my newsletter list. And I send out a newsletter once or twice a month on different topics relevant to spirituality, like how to meditate, calling your angels in, um, things to be grateful for, what is a personal year, what's a birth path number, just different aspects of the spiritual journey. But when you are invited to sign up for that newsletter, and you do, you'll get sent back to you a document I've written called Eight Ways to Increase Your Intuition or How to Increase Your Intuition. And that right there will give you a great place to start with some of the basics that will make a really big difference if you do them. So there you have it. There you have it. Well, Kate, thank you so much for the time today and all the hopefully for some people clues for other people, new ideas of different 
purposes that they could have, that they could be asking these questions and realize there are coaches like you that can help them along the way. Absolutely. Kent, thank you so much for your time and interest. And um, just, yeah, for the for my being able to share this with others, because I know until I found it, it was not comfortable. And now when you just you feel like it's not my imagination, I know what to do and where to go now and someone to talk to, then it changes everything. So hopefully I can do that for many of the listeners. Yeah, I'll, I'll be in contact soon. Part of me would be scared to go through the process. You might be like, you're supposed to focus on one or two things. I'm like, <laughs> no, I need to be distracted. I, I like all the shiny. Look at that one. <laughs> oh, so no. Kate, it's been great. I thank you again for the time and thank the great you, interview. Thank you. We'll see you Thursday bright and early. As usual, Toastmasters, it's been great.